Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Well, good evening! All right, everybody's gonna start having to liven up on these evening services, because it's starting to get kind of dull. <laughs> that was a joke, too. Come on, come on! You guys, wake up! Come on! Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, see, yeah, yeah. And you get it right there. <laughs> uh, no, I've been knowing what I was going to get up and speak about for a while now. And I, I, uh, it's always a good thing. And uh, when you've got to give a message, it's always a good reason or a good thing to have a, a sermon, but not a story. And I literally came up with some on the way into town. Um, with, I didn't even have my sermon written. I wrote it today, but... Um, it uh, kind of, my life's, I kind of had to really dig deep into this one and, and really just give into my own testimony and think about it a lot and really think of a lot of the ways that, that God has changed me. And um, I could kind of summarize a lot of my stupid stories because I couldn't just pick one on the way into town. Um, but my, but they can be really be summarized into to do's and don'ts, but mostly don'ts. Um, and a lot of them, I guess, couldn't help but think of a lot of the don't do's from my dad that he told me not to do, and I did do them. Um, you know, there was a, I, probably one of my earliest recollections um, of my life, we were, my dad was building a bunch of pipe pins, and he told me not to touch the glowing hot pipe, and I touched the glowing hot pipe. And uh, there was another time, uh, I was probably a sophomore in high school, and there was a bull that was acting up, and I was going to rope him and teach him a lesson. My dad said, don't do that, and I did that, and that didn't turn out very well. And <laughs> there was another time when I was a little kid, and we were, at, uh, we were at a cutting horse show, and my dad, and my mom and dad had told me that there's a group of kids, and there was a, during a, during a fair, a county fair, and um, they told me not to go to the carnival with a bunch of other kids. Well, during the county fair, there's thousands of people at a county fair, you know, and uh, so what did I do? I snuck off and I went to the carnival with the other kids and they were looking for me for like four hours. And that's one of the beatings, biggest beatings I ever got in my life was that one. So <laughs> like I just said that my life can be really summarized, be summarized by a lot of do's and don'ts, but mostly don'ts. And a lot of them came from my dad. But a lot of it too, because I can think of really just the freshest memory of, of the way that God has changed me is the biggest freshest memory is um, there's always stuff every day, but really my college life and um, just a lot of the, the, the track that I was going down at that time was just a really rough track. Um, and that's kind of where I got um, the title for this message. And, and it's, this, this title is called um, God's Life for My Will. And, and it's kind of a play on words because, you know, it's, it's God's will for my life. Well, it's God's life for my will. And I got that reasoning and in, in this, this title for it um, because, like me and so many other people, um, we all want to know God's will for our life, right? And to be honest, I'll reveal it here in a, little, in a second, but, but first we kind of really need to go through some ground rules and some other things, but... but we say we want to go, we want to know God's will, but in reality, we really just want God to fit into our lives and our plans and everything else in our lives, right? Our, our plans, our, our dreams, everything like that. And, and we want God just to fit into those instead of literally giving up our lives and our hopes and our dreams. And I know that can sound really foreign. It sounds kind of um, cheesy for a lot of people, 
But I'm here to tell you that, you know, going back to my college days like that, I was in a really dark place and my whole life changed whenever I told God. I was like, God, I have a dream of owning a ranch and training horses my whole life and doing all these things. And I've been trying like crazy just to get all these things and it's not working out. And it's pretty evident that you want me to, like in my case, he wanted me to go into ministry. And it was so evident that he wanted me to. And I was kind of like Jonah. I just ran as hard and as far away as I could. And, and, and it consumed me. And then it consumed me to a point where I was in the whale. And that's kind of where I got this, this message is from, you know, how many times do you want things to go your way, but they don't, right? And, and like, it's just like I was saying just a minute ago, we always want God just to fit into our lives and our plans and our dreams, but it doesn't always work that way. And it's kind of like a merry-go-round. You guys ever, kids don't know what those, is, those are nowadays because I don't even know if they have recess. They probably just have tablet sessions. I don't know. But <laughs> throwing some shade at our parents, but yeah. But, but do you guys remember like the merry-go-rounds when we were kids, right? If you tried to get onto one of those things or off of one of those things as it was spinning around, what happened? You broke your arm, skinned your knees really bad. Because usually, for some odd reason, it was always by a sticker patch or on asphalt. For some, I don't know why that was um, a thing back then. They probably have some sort of like government rules that you can't do that now. I don't know. But it was good for us kids because it taught us how to be a little bit tougher, maybe a little dumber as well. But, but that's the thing about that as well. Because like, this is how I picture things whenever we refuse to give up our lives to Christ. It's like we're on this merry-go-round and we're just, and this merry-go-round is our hopes and our dreams and our lives. And on the outside is a safe place, and that's where Jesus is. And we're on this merry-go-round, going round and around and around and around. And then we try to get off, but we don't really want to get off. We want to hang on to the merry-go-round. And we're skinning our knee even more as it goes flying around. And that's exactly the, the, the point and the picture I want to try to paint as we begin this message is sometimes the harder you hold on, the worse it is. And the harder it hurts. And... Just a precursor too, I think um, nowadays in this Christian culture that we live in, especially in the United States, we're kind of extremely sheltered from the real world. Like Kevin was talking about this morning, our hopes and our, 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 our problems aren't really our problems a lot of the time. Uh, we, we live in such a, a comfy society that uh, we complain about a lot of the, the issues that we have, like... Um, I don't know, I'm not even going to get into them because I get nitpicking. I'm going to sound like Kevin. But you know what it is. Everybody has these little things in our lives, these little inconveniences that we just think are such, such molehills, right? Like, I must guess I am going to get into it. But just like getting up for church in the mornings. Half of us don't want to get up for church in the mornings, right? I remember whenever I was in college, and I'm so thankful for all of our young people that show up every single Sunday because I know how hard it was, and I know how I did not do that in college. And most of these people have to drive a lot further than I did to go to church in college, so I appreciate you guys being here, but, but that's just an example. And I don't know what your excuse is. I don't know what these little things that you have, but mine were, mine were just not wanting to, to, to do, have anything to do with Christ, right? And I was kind of one of these modern-day Christians, if you will, that I said I was a Christian— and I said I was, but I didn't really do Christian things. And I was kind of wandering around, you know, um, wondering what God's will for my life was and, and was really using God as an excuse to do whatever I want, you know. I would, I would really just say, um, you know, things wouldn't work out and be like, well, I guess God just didn't want it to work out. Well, in reality, 
God wanted it to work out. I was just too big of an idiot. I made the mistakes of it. And sometimes, you know, we over-spiritualize so many things that, that don't work out or things like that, that um, we tend to blame God where God doesn't need to be blamed. Sometimes it's on our own doing that things don't work out. And we can't over-spiritualize that. And I'm here to tell you that this modern view of Christianity and things like this, uh, of just blaming everything on God every time something doesn't work out, not only isn't it isn't from God, but it's actually kind of blasphemous to throw all your failures on him because it was you that screwed him up in the first place. You know what I mean? You ever had those moments where you're, you just realized that you screwed it up? It wasn't have anything to do with God? Actually, it did have everything to do with God. You just didn't do what he said. And that leads me on to my next stop on the roundabout, the merry-go-round, if you will, that we usually stay on, and that's the definition of insanity. We keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we think that just because things don't work out, it's because God ended them. And sometimes it's true, but 80% of the time, it's because we weren't following God in the first place. Half the time when we get into a tough situation is because we weren't following him in the first place, right? I know in my life it is. And sometimes things end on a spiritual, you know, in a spiritual death because we went against what God said, just what I was saying earlier. And, and again, that leads us right back into God's life for my will, this modern-day Christian view of, of I can do whatever I want and God's just going to bless me. And, and, and I'm, you know, and, and so that, that's kind of that mentality of, you know, everybody knows Philippians 4.13, 4, 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but most people don't know the whole rest of the chapter. When he talks about, I, can, I know how to live with everything and I know how to live with nothing and I, know, and I know how to be content with both. But that's kind of our modern Christian view is we think that we just are able to do anything and God's going to bless us and that's not always the case. Sometimes it is, but sometimes we're just, we're numbing down the blessings that God actually wants to give us in the life that he wants for us just because we refuse to do what he actually says. And Satan's winning this war on our modern Christian culture, whether you like to admit it. It was an amazing, amazing conversation I had with Ty and Kathy last night on the way back from an appreciation dinner um, for us leaders. And, and, and Kathy was just kept, she was reading this book, and, and, it was, and she was saying that we're all theologians. And if you don't know what a theologian is, it's just somebody who studies God and somebody who um, is, 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 is a defender of our faith and, and knows a lot about God and has a relationship with him and spreads that, Right? But we're all theologians, not just us up here that, that are on stage speaking, but we all are. And I'm so incredibly proud of the people that are here in this room because I see each and every week you guys are bringing people in and inviting people in. And that's what it's all about, right? Is bringing people in to hear God and, and to know him and to bring him closer to him. And that's what God really wants us to do. And you're not letting Satan win. And so this, you know, if you're already doing that, this is your encouragement to keep doing that. But if you're not doing that, this is your encouragement to do that, to keep bringing people and invite them. And, and sometimes, you know, I don't remember what statistic it came from, but sometimes it takes at least seven times of asking somebody to get them to actually come to church. Seven or more times. So if you ask once and they don't come, don't be offended. It's okay. It's normal. It took me like 25 times and like five different people. So do with that what you will. But the reason he's winning is because we have a pride issue. And that pride issue, it has us in complete denial because this world tells us that our own truth is the only one that matters and we're never wrong. And if we just attach God's name to our wacky plans that don't even line with his word, then that's okay. And for some odd reason, we've, we've been taught to abuse God's grace like that. And just like Kevin said this morning, God ain't playing. He ain't playing. And this isn't a fire and brimstone 
a message that I'm trying to give here, but it's just a very real message of, of if, you know, we're kind of at a point and, and the reason we don't go anywhere in our spiritual walks is because we refuse to acknowledge that something didn't work because we did wrong. In fact, most of the time we tend to tell God that he did wrong and God doesn't do wrong. And we all know that, right? God doesn't do wrong. But half the time we want to blame him for a lot of our things that didn't happen in our lives or mistakes. When in reality, we just wanted God's life for our will, right? We want God to fit in this little tiny box in our lives and control him so that we, we can see everything. And, and it's just like that merry-go-round, I'm telling you. I don't know if you're on it or not, but whenever you just try to fit God into your life instead of making him your life, you're on that merry-go-round, skinning your knees up, dragging along behind it. And I'm pointing the finger all back on myself on this. And I think all the time <laughs> that God is wrong and I'm right, and, but I soon find out that that's not the case. And and if you disagree with me, I have a passage here that, um, you know, I, I didn't even think about till late last night. I think I woke up because God gave it to me. I don't know. Um, God works in mysterious ways like that sometimes when you're writing sermons. But there's a passage that's been, always been near and dear to my heart, and I don't know why I didn't think of it first off, but it's Romans 12. And this is a, a great passage to, to memorize if you want to, because it's a, blue, a direct blueprint of not only who God is, but who he wants us to be. And just starting in verse 1, it's gonna, it's, I'm just going to read it. And it says, I appeal to, appeal to you, therefore, brothers, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul writing, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of yourself with sober judgment, each according to the, to the own measure of faith, so the own knowledge and the own faith that God has given you, you need to measure yourself and, and, and acknowledge your own problems and, and self-identify the things that you're self-sabotaging yourself with, right? And most of the time, I, I don't think it's not an acknowledgement issue. I think a lot of us know we have the problems. I just think we just don't know what to do about them or we don't want to do anything about them but out of fear of being exposed for something, right? I know that's myself. I've been that way, and I can honestly tell you that whenever you get real with that acknowledgement and you start to let God transform and renew your mind, that you are, in fact, transformed in another person. And sometimes it takes years, and that's okay. You know, a lot of us, we want the finished product right now. But if there's one thing that, that you need to take away from that is just have a little grace on yourself. Don't make excuses, but have a little grace on yourself. Continuing on, but think of yourself as so, sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has given you and assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function and gifts. So we, through many, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace God has given us. Let us use them. If you have the gift of prophecy in proportion to our faith, if serve, prophesy in, in proportion to our faith, if you have the gift of serving, um, serve one another serve one another well. Um, the one who teaches in his teachings, the one who exhorts, um, this is exhortation is basically just encouragement to come alongside and, and help people. Um, the one who contributes and contributes generously. Um, these are in ESV um, 
terms, but these are spiritual gifts that we're talking about. And you can read them in New Living Translations. They're a little easier to follow in that. But if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, I encourage you to go and see what that is because this is a way that God's given you to follow him. Um, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil and hold fast or cling to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful or lazy in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. Be constantly in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. So the saints are just people that are Christians. We often get hung up on what the word saints mean. It's just another fellow believer. And seek and show hospitality to those saints. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with, uh, with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give tonight, or, or, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far, as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay evil, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let God transform your hearts, guys. In a nutshell, if you don't have that verse already memorized, and, and, and it's really not that hard to memorize, guys. It's really not. But if you don't have that memorized and you're still wondering what the heck is God's will for my life, this chapter in Romans, like I said, it's amazing to memorize. But his will and simplicity, if you're looking for something to write down or whatever, here it is. It's very, very simple. This is his will. Are you ready for it? It's this. 90%, literally 90 out of 100% of the will of God is simply just doing what his word says in whatever situation you find yourself in or put yourself in. That's it. Just doing what his word says. And usually you don't find yourself in tough situations because if you follow God's word, you don't find yourself in that tough situation. Yeah, you may be going through a hard season, but it may not be because you put yourself there. And I can speak on my own life. I don't know how many times I've put myself there because I didn't follow God. I was sinful. Sometimes you just got to know God's word. And I'm not trying to word shame anybody up here. Um, I have so long to go to know God's word better, but I know that I'm better off than where I was six years ago, seven years ago when I went into ministry full time. And I look back on a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the devotions and stuff that I read, and it's just so cringeworthy. You're just like, oh my gosh, you need some Jesus, dude. You need some theology lessons. But I stuck with it, and it was a passion of mine because I know what he did for me. And that's why I mentioned my testimony. I heard from a wise man last night named Ty Weber that if it's your testimony about how Jesus saved you, it can't be wrong. And this is just me up here telling you how he changed me. And as a lot of it was through his word. Yeah, a lot of it was acknowledgement. But, but I literally remember in college, I, you know, I had had a relationship that I was living with a woman and it was, out of, it was in sin and it was very, very hard times. And it was, I knew it was wrong, but I didn't want to give it up. And, and God was calling to me to ministry. And it was like, <clears throat> Chip Ingram calls it the velvet vice grip of love. You ever seen like, you know what a vice is where it has a, a hard part on both sides and you just slowly crank something down to where it's tight? Well, that vice is like a, a velvet vice and he's just slowly squeezing you out of where you are. And that's exactly what God does to us sometimes. 
to get us out of our comfort zone, to get us out of the things that, that aren't of him, that are ruining our lives, that are hurting our hearts for our future relationships and relationships with others and with him. <clears throat> and that's what sin does. It separates us from him. But that's the grace of God. That's the beauty of God is he loves us too much to leave us there. And he slowly pushes us out. And I don't know where everybody is tonight, but if, if God is pushing you out, let him. Let him. And if you're out a deep spot right now and you don't know what God's will for your life is, that's what God's will for your life is to know him. And how do you get to know somebody? You've got to spend time with them. You've got to spend time. I don't, I'm not saying you have to be a biblical scholar. I, I confessionally have the worst time reading, okay? I'll be honest. I don't read every day. Sometimes I read two times a week, maybe once a week. I brush my teeth a couple times more than that. <laughs> anyway, Ty knows. <laughs> but goodness, guys, that's how you get to have a deep relationship with God and with other people, but especially with God, is to spend time with him, to know his words, to know him. It's not always studying either. It's not always like, hey, I'm going to do a word study in this, in this passage and things like that. Sometimes it's just literally sitting down and just having a cup of coffee with him and telling, you, telling him about your day. That's really it. Yeah, you can read your Bible, but sometimes it's just, it's just having a conversation with him, like, God, I'm really struggling with this. And just sitting in silence and seeing if he says anything. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. Sometimes he may not at first, sometimes it takes a little bit. Sometimes our minds are so crazy and so out of whack and so anxious that we can't hear him. And my goodness, it happens to us in ministry all the time as well. Sometimes we don't hear God either. We don't. You, a lot of people think that as ministers, we're just perfect and we hear God every day, but man, sometimes it is really a struggle. And, and, and a lot of times it isn't God's fault. It's because we've turned away from God ourselves. <clears throat> Anyways, moving on. Sometimes there's people on the other side. Maybe, maybe you're not one of those people that, that, that aren't following God. Maybe you're not one of those modern Christians that, that, that you are following God and you're actively seeking him and you're still having a hard time with decisions to make and, and knowing what God's will for your life is because I, I know there's so much anxiety because that's how Satan works. When you're doing good, he's still going to attack you and he's probably going to attack you even harder. So sometimes if you're having a, a hard decision to make over two good godly things, it can be hard too because you're like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I received um, some great advice this week. And, and it was from Craig Rochelle on a podcast that I heard, and he was talking about don't be so legalistic that you think that you can screw God's plan for your life up by making a bad decision between two godly decisions. And then he followed that up with, with sometimes when you make a decision, it's not between good and bad, it's between better and best. And that's the thing you got to understand. And this is just a small snippet for the people that may not even be in the first half of this sermon because it's kind of split into two different sections. Maybe you're having a hard time making a decision between two godly decisions. And what you need to know is that he's going to bless both of them. Maybe that's a reward for you doing well. I don't know. I think it is sometimes when you put yourself in godly positions and you do what his word says and you're following him. Sometimes he blesses that with even more opportunities. And I know that you're saying that. Mitch, I have these decisions that both glorify God greatly but in line with what his word says, but I just can't, I just can't make a decision. And another side note is in, in, in indecision is still a decision. Don't ever think you're big enough to mess up God's plan. And my final piece of advice that ties directly um, into that, into this last statement, um, which 
I haven't even said that yet. I got lost on my notes, but <laughs> here's the truth on a lot of life decisions. Life is going to be hard no matter what path you choose. So choose the one that leads you less into sin because sin separates you from God. Just what I was talking about earlier. All those decisions that, that, you, that are sinful and aren't following God and are contrary to his word, those are the ones that make your life harder. Yeah, life's hard, but you don't need to make it harder. My final piece of advice, just directly from that statement, is if you're having trouble making a decision between two good opportunities, remember that not every decision is a decision between good and bad. Sometimes it's a decision between good and best. What decision in your life can be easiest on you to do God's will? Not what decision will God fit into in my life. Because remember, it's God's will for your life, not God's life for your will. You don't fit God into your life. You make God your life. And trust me, I say that because I've tried the other one and it didn't work. It doesn't work. I still try it. 90% of God's will for your life is simply just doing what his word says. That's it. To know him and make him known. And whatever decision you decide to put yourself in or find yourself in. And like I said, most of the time you won't find yourself in a bad place whenever you do what he did, when you do what he said to do in the first place. And it's not easy. It's that simple, but it's not that easy. And I get that. And if you're having trouble, if, if, you, if you need advice, you know, <clears throat> come to Ty because he's gray in wisdom. <laughs> and that's, that's right. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were the abominable snowman up here for a while. But, <laughs> but if, seriously, guys, if you're struggling, if you don't know, if you're in a, a certain situation in your life and you don't know what God's word says, Go and seek help from somebody. The godliest person you know, your pastor, don't be afraid to acknowledge the problems that you have because they can only make them worse if you, just, if you don't acknowledge that you have issues. And I'm here to tell you that once you do that, your life changes and that transforming, being transformed by God, just what Romans 12 said, that happens when you acknowledge stuff and you ask for help and you ask, what, ask smarter people than you what God's word says about things. And that's why it's so important to have good godly mentors. And that's why it's so important, like what it says in Titus, not only have godly mentors, but also mentoring somebody. And you're going to be wrong when you mentor somebody, just a preface for that, because you're going to be very cringeworthy when you're, I promise, you're going to look back and at the people you tried to lead and help out, and you're going to be like, ooh, I screwed up on that one. I burned some bridges there. Just talking about last night with Kathy. But seriously, guys, if you have something going on, and you want to know what God's will is for your life, and you don't know what his word says about that, and you want to do the will of God, well, the will of God, what did I just say? 90% of it's just doing what his word says. If you don't know what his word says, um, I sound like a broken record right now, but I want to drive this home as much as I can. God's will for your life is in his word. And if you can't figure it out in his word, ask somebody smarter than you or look it up on Google in a sermon because that's how we get a lot of our sermon notes. Don't, just, don't believe me? Ask Kevin. We get a lot of our sermon material from other people. And other people like that. Craig Groeschel gives all of his sermon material for free because it's, he knows it's not about him. Just an example. So that's God's will for your life, guys. I don't know where you're at. But if you need something, if you need encouragement, advice, or whatever, we can do our best here or just ask somebody close to you. Thank you guys so much for coming to these evening services. It's been a blast. Um, Getting to know everybody, um, even on a deeper level, like I've, I've known so many of you, you know, just on church services in the mornings, but I feel like 
Um, we've really, really grown even closer together in these evening services. Just maybe not even the messages that are given, but maybe just the fellowship after and before. But I've learned so much about you guys. I'm so thankful that you guys show up each and every week, literally each and every week, and take times out of your Sunday evenings. I know you guys are tired. I know it's the, for some of you, it's the end of the week, and some of you, it's the beginning, but most of it's probably the end of the week, and you're tired, and I'm just so thankful that you guys show up. And just so grateful for what God is doing in your hearts. I see you guys bringing people in and, and just loving on them. And that's exactly what this is here for. You may not get anything out of these messages, and, and we don't even care if you do. But we just not only want to have a relationship with you guys, we want you guys to have a relationship with God. And that's why we created this evening service. And we're so grateful that you guys not only come, but bring your friends with, them, with you. And we just want to continue doing that. If you know somebody that, that, that just needs some fellowship, you may, it may not even be the message, but just if you know somebody that just, just needs to get out of the house or out of the dorm room or whatever, bring them. Bring them. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we come to you just so humble and so grateful. Lord, my goodness, Lord, just so thankful just for the sacrifice that you made on that cross. Lord, every event, not only in past history, but also in current history as well, in current events, Lord, is pointing to you. God, we know that we are in the end days right now, and we know, Lord, that we know enough about hell, Lord, that we don't know, we don't want anybody, whether we love them or not, to, to spend eternity in hell, Lord. And God, just give us the wisdom. Give us the humility, and not only that, give us your words, Lord, to go and speak life into everybody else's hearts, Lord, because we want to spend eternity with each other, Lord, because that's what this is about. It's not about anybody up on stage. It's not about anything else in this, in this world. You're not, we're not called to be uh, husbands or wives or mothers or fathers or ranchers. We're called to be disciples of you in whatever we do, in whatever situation that we're in, whatever job we're in, whatever place we choose to put ourselves in, Lord. Your will is that we just know you and make you known. And God, we thank you so much for that opportunity. And we're so humble and, and maybe a little scared that we have that responsibility to do that. But God, just keep giving us the courage and the wisdom to, make, to know you and make you known to everyone around us because we want to spend eternity with all of our brothers and sisters, Lord. We're so thankful that you love us. And God, we love you too. It's your name we ask these things and we always praise your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.